Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. We are going to be talking about having faith in difficult times. And boy, this is a crazy time this season that we're in here in the United States and around the world. But believers in Christ, we've got such a secure hope. And we've got what the world does not have, peace in Christ, peace in the midst of trials. So before we open up and introduce today's guests, let's go to God and uh, just ask him for help. Lord, uh, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another day. We need wisdom today, Lord, more than ever. And we know, Father, it's just one day at a time. But help us to trust you. Help us to uh, step in faith, but continue to believe in you no matter what's going on all around us. Help us to remember that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort. And even in hard times, Lord, help us to consider it joy, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance and patience. Work what you want to work out in us, Lord. We are the clay, you are the potter, and we thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your faithfulness, and we trust in you in all things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a book called Faith in Difficult Times that we're going to be talking about today. And it says, Faith in the promises of God to the church empowers the Christian to cope with difficult times in life. And because the believer has the mind of Christ, he is also able to view life's troubles as God does, recognizing that they are temporary and uh, fleeting in comparison with eternity. Today's guests Preston and Kelly Condra. They are founders of Sufficient Word Ministries. The purpose is to edify, increase, and equip the church using the grace through faith, power of the Holy Spirit found in God's sufficient written word. Preston and Kelly, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you, David, for having us back. Thank you. You're very welcome. Good to have you. And as we're moving through um, April and getting into May here, and uh, boy, we, it's like January, February, March. So we've already completed more than a quarter of the year, and this seems like such a bizarre year because of what we've been going through with social distancing, with the COVID-19, with the, the, the people's reaction to it, to the media's alarmism and the stoking the, the fear of people. I think they're being very irresponsible generally, and as Christians, we've got to respond to this rather than react. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on to talk about your new book. It just came out, uh, I believe, uh, Preston, I saw it on your Facebook page. It uh, hit Amazon about, well, just a couple weeks ago. And I just want to have you guys talk about the book, Faith in Difficult Times. So first question for either one of you, what led you to write this book, and when did you start writing it? Because it was obviously before 2020 and the coronavirus hit us, right? I, I, go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> no, we wrote it three weeks ago. Oh, you're kidding! No, we wrote it three weeks ago. It was in production two weeks ago, and it was on sale last week. Oh, my goodness. So this is definitely applying to these specific times then, isn't it? Yeah, we really felt... So we absolutely had to get something out there. And one of the reasons is, it sounds kind of funny, but we see so many posts on Facebook that say, be this way, be peaceful, have no anxiety, trust God. But we don't ever see how. How Mm. does that actually happen? Mm. How? That's the question, isn't it? Because the, the, the reason that Christians want to trust him, obviously we want to have a good witness to the world. We don't want to freak out like a lot of people in the world, and run, make decisions based on fear. But yet we want to take precautions and we want to trust the Lord. But this is a hard time for almost everybody, I think, in the country. I mean, we're not going to ignore the whole world. Other countries are being hit, too, by these times. But 
as Christians, um, what, what's some advice you can give to our brothers and sisters, our family, really, who are listening right now? Let's, let's start with that. Um, just how do you take those practical steps of trusting God in a season that we're in as now? But David, I think uh, one important thing is understand what the Scripture teaches about what faith is. Um, that word in the original used in the New Testament means to be persuaded of something, mm-hmm. and it's transitive. That means it's in something. Just as you love something, there's an object of your love, so too is there an object of faith. And for the believer, it's really twofold. You um, become a believer by putting your faith in the gospel of Christ, that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead. You believe that. For the purpose of salvation, you're born again. You're a believer now. Now, for the believer in your walk of faith that Romans 17 tells us about, the just shall live by faith. The object of our faith now in our walk is the promises God's made to the church. Uh, In particular, in a general sense, the way to think of it, God wants to produce his character in the believer. And so, for me to experience that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, I believe the Lord, and then He produces that in me. Hmm. So, especially in difficult times, it's really important to understand that the object of your faith is really the the importance of faith, because faith is not just some standalone, nebulous um, Wishful thing. Thinking. Yeah, it it it. The, the object of your faith is the important thing. And so we really want to help believers understand what to, you know, where to direct your faith. And, and it's timeless, David, that it, it, this is helpful in difficult times, but it's helpful every day mm. to understand how to direct our faith as believers. Now, this book, um, Faith in Difficult Times, it's kind of like a follow-up. It does stand alone, as you mentioned in an email that you sent me. It stands alone. Obviously, it's a faith in the midst of trials, hard times. That is a principle and a concept we need to get from the Word of God and apply. But it this is kind of, in a way, I think you can explain it better than me, a follow-up to your previous book called Bearing Fruit or Living Barren. Uh, Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And so to please him, we've got to be not just talking about it, but doing it, be doers of the word, and that's bearing fruit. Can you talk about how this book kind of springboards from bearing fruit? Yes, Bearing Fruit or Living Barren was a book that we wrote, I think, a year and a half ago, and we really laid the foundation for living by faith, for being filled with the Spirit is another way of putting that. Pardon me. And in Bearing Fruit, we talked about the natural man, which is the unsaved man, the carnal man, that's a Christian who's living as if he's natural or unsaved, and the spiritual man, which is someone who is living by faith. And it's true, living by faith is something we are supposed to do every single day. But in difficult times, it is actually a wonderful opportunity to learn how to live by faith every single day and start to incorporate that as normal, not just for an emergency. So let me pick up on the idea of living by faith. Um, I know we've been in the church for years. Uh, Many of our listeners, I would probably say most of the listeners to this podcast, have been in the church or believers uh, born again for possibly decades, so living by faith, we don't even think twice about that. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you is about the, the spiritual dynamic, because this is not just a faith in self. This is just not, not a pull yourselves up and say, I can I can do it, I can do it, I believe, I can do whatever I... You no, know, it's not about me or believing in me, living by faith. This is We're talking about a deeper faith in the spiritual principles of God's Word and having that foundation. So let's go back to the basics, you guys. What is spirituality, and how does it work? Spirituality, just think of it this way, it's just emanating the character of God. It is God producing in the believer love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. 
those things of which he speaks. And it's really, it's only the things that he can produce. It's not me trying harder. You know, like you mentioned, it's not me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. <laughs> you know, we, we hear oftentimes, um, you know, a lot of teaching on what to do as believers, but we don't hear how that's accomplished. Well, how that's accomplished is believing what he's promised to the believer. That's really important, to the believer. I don't believe something he's promised to Israel. I believe something he's promised to me as a believer, and that is... He's promised to produce his fruit in us, and he tells us that fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians chapter 5. So that's just some of them. It's not an exhaustive list, but that's a good many of them. So in a general sense, to be spiritual is to emanate the character of God. Okay, you brought up—we're going to have to go a little bit deeper, uh, Preston and Kelly, whatever one of you wants to tackle this one. You brought up Israel. You brought up believers, the promises we have, and of course— we have to recognize context. Um, we right. have a new covenant. So take us to that next step where we have to understand it's not just believing, but believing in the God of Israel, but this new covenant relationship we have with that God. This this is our faith. This is what we believe. So go ahead and uh, take that a little bit further. Well, Israel had many, many promises from God. <clears throat> These promises were earthly promises, land, and children, and that that a descendant of Abraham would be on the throne. Um, Those things will be fulfilled, we know, after the church leaves in the rapture. Hmm. Israel's time clock, the prophetic time clock, will start ticking again, and those last seven years that were not finished under Israel's program will start again, and that's when we will see prophecies fulfilled. But right now, the church is a spiritual people, and we have all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Everything there is to have in grace has already been granted to us. But we can only access those things if we know what we have. Hebrews says that a testament is only in effect after the death of a testator. So in other words, your will doesn't go into effect until after you're dead. Mm-hmm. And in Jesus' case, after he was resurrected and sins were paid, so that God could come in and dwell the person who believed the gospel. When we believe the gospel, God comes to indwell us because he has literally made a clean place within us. He's regenerated us and washed us with the word to make a clean place to commune with us in our human spirit. We're a spirit, a soul, and a body. That's what a human being is made up with, and the spirit is where God communes with us. And he, he is our teacher. And because First uh, Corinthians 2 says that a spirit, the spirit of a man knows the things of a man and is taught the things of God by the Holy Spirit, God teaches us in our human spirit those things from grace that are ours. And we have to be focused on the letters written to the church that teach us what we have in Christ so that we can use them, and that is how we walk by faith. We learn what we have in Christ, and we use those things so that we can emanate God's character because he's literally in us producing those things when we are living by faith. Hmm. Wow. Uh, We have on the line Preston and Kelly Condra, authors of Faith in Difficult Times, and uh, Sufficient Word Ministries is their ministry, SufficientWord.com. Um, faith in the promises of God. We are New Testament, New Covenant believers. But I want to take it back to Jeremiah 29 and help or ask you to help our listeners with the context of this portion of Scripture because it is often ripped out of its context to stand alone and applied to the New Testament church, not as a principle, but as a promise or covenant. And again, you mentioned that is the covenant to Israel. So let me just read it. God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Wow, God has plans. Now, then you will call upon me, come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, that is something that sounds like, wow, that's us. That's a promise to us. God does want to give us a future and a hope. He, he will, it says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. When we seek 
and search for him with all of our hearts, he will be found by us. But then if you read verse 14, this isn't our context anymore. It says, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you. So, hmm, God has not driven out the New Testament church. So maybe, Preston, if you'd like to tackle this one, just to provide more context of what we have as far as our promises as New Testament believers. Yeah, that's a good point, David. Yeah, he's talking to Israel there in the context. And and it is true, there are some similarities to what God promises to the church there, but that particular text, yeah, God's talking to Israel. You go over in the New Testament to the letters written to the church, and we see what God promises the believer. Once you believe the gospel of Christ, one, you're given salvation, you're born again, you're regenerated, his spirit indwells the believer now, as Kelly mentioned uh, previously there. And now there are promises for the Christian life. And those things, if you look at them, they're, they're internal. When you look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, those are all things that he produces in the believers. And, and that's his promise to us. We are not seeking these things. We already have them. Ooh, and wait, 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 wait. Hold what? on. That's, that's, a, that's a very profound point. That's a very, very good, Kelly. God bless you. Um, we are not <laughs> seeking these things. We have the Holy Spirit of God in us, and we have these things. And as you were mentioning earlier, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, Kelly, go on. So there are general principles that we see all the way through Scripture that are true about God all the time, that he doesn't want bad things to happen to us, that he listens to the prayers of the faithful. We know that's true for him all the time. But you're right about context. We have to say, okay, how much of this is just true about God, and then how much of it is getting into a different area where things are run differently. When people were under law, they had no access to God. I mean, they they couldn't just go and talk to God. They had to go through a priest, and he had to go through a whole, you know, a bunch of systems of washings and all these things in the temple. There was a whole bunch of barriers between God and man because of sin. We are not in a seeking relationship. We have everything already credited to our account, <clears throat> pardon me, the minute we believe the gospel. God comes to indwell us. He communes with us. He is in us, and we are in Christ. God looks at us as being in Christ, and Christ is in heaven at his right hand. I mean, it's like we could look to the left, and God's right there. <laughs> huh. And... Because we're not in a seeking relationship, if a person is asking for something that has already been giving, God cannot answer that prayer. If I say, Preston, please, 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 you know, buy me a car, and he's like, there's a car in the garage. It wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> that's, that's a great analogy. <laughs> so we have to understand what we already have. I mm. wish that every believer would take their Bible and go through the letters to the church, starting with Romans. <clears throat> Excuse, I'm sorry for my sinus problem this morning. And um, look at all the times where Paul and the other writers say, Know ye not? Know this. Knowing this. Um, uh, you need to know these things. God will give you understanding. God will give you wisdom. All these words about knowing and understanding that tells us we are not in a doing program where you have to go kill an animal and do all these things at the temple in order to walk by faith, because they did the law by faith. They were supposed to believe that this was what God wanted them to do. Hmm. But we are not doing things by faith. We are knowing things and believing them. So we're accessing these benefits from God because we believe what God says to us. Hmm. And. Go ahead. Uh, David, yes. th that directly correlates with the uh, high view of Scripture, that God's given us his word not just to gain principles from, not just as a guide. No, this is what he's given us, and it's sufficient. If we believe what he says, he'll produce what he says. Mm. But like you've mentioned, context, 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 yes. everything. Yes, yes. 
I believe what he's promised for the believer, and then he'll produce what he promises. Wow. Uh, we've got to take a break already, and I've got more questions to ask you on the other side, a little bit more about the book, Faith in Difficult Times, as well as application, um, how to continue to use that faith that we have and uh, be doers of the Word, be Christians who are trusting God in this season of the coronavirus in the United States and and in the Church. The Church, uh, when are we going to get back to normalcy Uh, for lack of a better word. We're with Preston and Kelly Condra. We'll be right back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Thank you for staying with us. We've got Preston and Kelly Condra on the line. The book is called Faith in Difficult Times, and now we are going to talk about some practical aspects of the book and get a little deeper in how we can apply these things. Uh, Preston and Kelly, a lot of people are out of work. Some are struggling, uh, not just financially, but I think a lot of people are struggling with contentment or lack of contentment. And I know Philippians chapter 4, Paul talks about that, but uh, what does your book address when it comes to patience and contentment that can help people today? Well, we've actually laid out the book in a way that a person can turn to, it's mostly in chapter 4 is the practical section where it really gets into, um, you can just turn there and use it immediately. So there's sections on contentment, on patience, on casting your cares on him, on dealing with your temper, and then the verses that address those things. So a person could go right to uh, chapter 4 and look up the verses on, on those issues that they're having. So if their emotions are getting away with them, they can look at those particular verses, and, and the Holy Spirit ministers that to them immediately if they're believing him. And I do want to mention that I forgot to say the book is not some massive volume it's going to take six months to read. It is under 100 pages, and I think it's so applicable for what we are going through right now in America and the world. Uh, Preston, what do you have to add? Um, you know, what we've mentioned before, um, having the believer direct their faith in the right place. Um, is it really a, a big highlight of this? And, you know, it's the, the Christian walk is simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is pretty simple. Mm. We see what God says, and we accept that. We know it, first of all. Kelly talked about knowing, and then we believe that. And you mentioned contentment. You know, he, we hear Paul talk, mention being content, and the implication is we can be too. Mm-hmm. He's a believer. He's content. We can experience those things. And so, uh, especially during this time, you know, I, we're the we're the same way. We're experiencing hardship, too, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Our weekend schedule is gone yep. for now. That's a big part of our income. Uh, and so we can choose to be angry or we can say, okay, you know what? We can be content. We're thankful for what we have. And God will make a way for everything else, and somehow he has. Uh, So, you know, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, David. It's what we we look back at, and we believe what God says, and he'll produce what he says he will. I want to um, piggyback on what you just said, Preston. I just want to encourage our listeners, if you are doing well, and I mean financially, too. Um, we just had our fundraiser uh, last week for uh, the Standard for the Truth, the Q90FM, the radio ministry here. But authors like yourself, speakers that would have been maybe going to churches and speaking, um, you're out a little bit of income. And in some cases, some friends I've talked to, they're out a lot. Not only does it affect their lifestyle, it obviously affects them financially. So I would encourage you guys to check out this book, Faith in Difficult Times, from Preston and Kelly Condra. It is available on Amazon. Where else is it available? Anywhere books are sold, it can be ordered. You're supposed to say anywhere good books are sold. (laughs) 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 Okay, before we run out of time with you guys, I do want to get to James chapter 1. You In the book, you explain how, because it talks about trials, the testing of our faith. How does that work, you guys? Well, James chapter 1 
is, is actually a very technical explanation of how faith works. It talks about being driven and tossed like the waves of the sea if we are not um, believing God. Because it says, we ask God for something, we have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Hmm. Oh, hold on. Hold on just a little bit, you guys. Um, For some reason, the phone cut out there for about 15 Mm -hmm. seconds. So please uh, rewind a little bit, Kelly, and uh, pick it up up from about 15 seconds ago. Well, James chapter 1 is very technical and detailed explanation of how faith works. And when you look at that section where it talks about asking in faith, nothing wavering, think about all the times where you've looked at a scripture and thought, yeah, but I can't do that, or this wouldn't work for me. Mm. I can't cast fears. I'm a worrier. I'm a worrier by nature. See, that doesn't matter because we're not trying to dig of our own ability are looking to the Lord and saying, well, and he lives in me, and he's working to conform me to the image of Christ. So when we look at these promises, and believe me, there are times when I have had to ask myself a hundred times a day, Ellie, do you really believe this is what the scripture says? It says you can cast your cares on him. It says you can trust him. It says it doesn't matter what the situation is. I can be content in all things. Do I believe it? And you just I'm willing, make me willing to keep those scriptures and review it. I put sticky notes around the house so that I keep getting reminded all day of a verse that I'm struggling with to really own it for myself. So going back to James, he's saying you have to Ask with faith. You have to be persuaded, like Preston said at the beginning, faith is is a persuasion of mind. And you have to be persuaded that what God says, he will do. If not, it says you're driven and tossed like the waves of the sea. You're a double-souled man. Now, we don't have two souls. It says double-minded in English, but in Greek it's actually double-souled. And that means your soul is divided. So think about those movies where you saw a character that had an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder. (laughs) That's kind of the picture here, is that your soul kind of, yeah, I know God's true. I just can't believe this will work for me. And you have to stay in the Scripture until you allow the Holy Spirit to convince your mind so that your soul, your emotions, your will align Mm. with the truth. And that is what stabilizes the believer. And then it goes on at the end of that chapter to say, the engrafted word is able to save your soul. So that's not about getting born again. And your soul is full of emotions or it's uh, suffering from temptation and you don't want to cave in, but you put the, the truth of God's word into your mind and it delivers your soul from that temptation or from uh, whatever uh, emotional things are bothering you. Wow, I love that. And I also love that you mentioned uh, put up sticky notes, post-it notes, because you can put scriptures on. That's how I learned some scriptures without even thinking. I put them up to encourage me, but the more I read them, and then I I read them out loud, and man, that helps you to remember God's Word and and have it in you so that it comes out when you need it. I also want to say something that you said about people, I'm not a word faith guy, but I understand the psychology of the more you repeat something about yourself, even if it's false, you will believe it. Like, oh, I'm just so weak, or what what did you say? I'm a worrier, whatever. Stop saying that about yourself, Christian. Say what God's Word says. So there is some truth about confessing what God's Word says. Preston, um, James chapter 1, again, talks about trials our faith being tested, it says that when we go through these things and have to rely on God, it produces endurance. Can you take us a little bit deeper into that idea and that thought? Well, I can can get through it. Whatever it is, I can get through it. You can endure it. Yeah, that's what that's talking about. It it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. We can walk through it. Amen. And, And... and also, because we're handling it as a spiritual person, 
So the more things we handle spiritually to emanate the things of God, means we believe him to produce that, then more spiritual instead of maturing. And so that's really what we're trying to um, communicate to the believer. And he uses the example there in James 1 of wisdom, ask for wisdom. Think of it kind of like filling. You know, he'll fill up what's lacking. And so we depend on him for that. And, you know, sometimes we have to remind or we have to go back and remind ourselves, hey, God's good, and he has the best in mind for believers, and that's true all the time. And so he doesn't change, but he doesn't. Hmm. And so it goes really back to those things, and we can we can endure. It doesn't matter what's going on. That endurance is a function of maturity, maturity by spirituality to more areas of your life more consistently. So maybe a younger believer, when you really didn't know very much about grace through faith, God's, you know, the power of God's grace when we believe him. And that's the difference between us and word faith. Word faith is trying to claim things that they want. Yes. We're saying believe what God said he gave us. Amen. Amen. We're not claiming a, a, a big car or we're not claiming a problem-free life because there is no such animal. But that's what a lot no, of them and push. And I know something about all, every single word faith teacher. Every single one of them either dead or going to die. So they can promise health and wealth and healing all they want, and they're still going to end up in the same situation as all of us dead. Yep. So are we going to be begging for something temporary, or are we going to look to God for the things that are going to impact us for eternity? Being spiritual is preparing us for our life in eternity, Mm. to be part of God's everlasting program. He wants us to learn it now, and endurance is one of those things that we learn, that as we, maybe as a young believer— we believe for a few minutes, and then we cave in and go, oh, I, you know, this doesn't work for me, or I don't get it, or I can't stand it, and we go back to functioning the way we used to. But as we grow in our faith and we know more of what God has given us in grace, then we apply it longer, we hang in there longer, maybe we make it all the way through, and then we share that with somebody else and it encourages them, and it keeps going. It doesn't fall apart after a little bit of testing. Hmm. We've got about um, six minutes left in this segment with you guys, and I want to go toward the conclusion of the book where it says God's provision is sufficient. And in the book description, it says uh, trusting in the sufficiency of God's word allows us to enter God's rest depending on his provision. And I would love for you to just share your thoughts on wrapping this all up pointing our listeners, our audience, to the fact that God's provision is sufficient. He has never failed to provide for us. You know, he uh, provides for all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean finances necessarily, but our every need. He is, and his word is sufficient. Go ahead, you guys. His word is sufficient, and let me explain what we mean by that. We believe the Bible is inerrant and infallible, but a high view of Scripture couples with that, believing that what God has said in His Word is so it's enough. We don't need anything else. There's no need for further revelation. We've got the revelation here. He's letting us. He's let us know everything we need to know about Him, about ourselves, and in particular about how to live the Christian life. He's given it to us all here. It is sufficient, and that is a foundational thing we have to believe if we're going to really walk. And and live the. Not be a double-souled man that thinks, well, I need a little bit of Christianity, but then I need all these other things to go my way. You mean things in this life, this temporary life? Yes. Yeah, that's that's the double-souled man. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes we interpret that when things are going the way we want them to. We interpret that as God is blessing me. This is God's will. But that's not necessarily true because, I mean, people go through trials all the time, and God is no respecter of persons. And 
we all must know his word and rely on his word because that's one of the only true and secure things we have in this temporary life, isn't it? That's right. I mean, you look at you look at the life of Paul. Wow, he went through a lot. And we we look at what we go through. We're, we're not going through nearly what like what Paul went through. Mm. But if he can walk through that, as he did, experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, so too can we walk through anything and experience the fruit of the Spirit. God intends that for every believer, not just an apostle, mm-hmm. any believer. So it, 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 we really can, you really can experience that, no matter what your circumstances are. And yeah, he wrote the book of Philippians from prison. And yeah. I, I, I don't know how many times he said, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice. He mentioned joy as he's writing from prison in probably awful circumstances. Because spiritual fruit is spiritual. Mm-hmm. It is not physical. Mm. Now, Spiritual fruit will lead to physical consequences when we are filled with the Spirit, meaning we are not saying no to God, we're saying yes to God, we're saying yes to what He says to the Church. Those spiritual qualities will get fill us with joy so that we want to tell someone about the Gospel, or we want to help other believers, we want to give, we want to be generous, all these things, so it leads to the start. We can't put the cart before the horse and to do good things and then try to pat ourselves on the back about it. That's not the right way. Mm. That is going to fail in the long run because the person is going to become weary. But God says, be not weary in well-doing. Well, how do we not become weary? Because we believe that he has given us every single thing we need, all things for life and godliness, just Amen. like he said. He is sufficient. Amen. Faith rests life. Hebrews says we are to make it our ambition to enter into his rest. He has done it all. He has provided everything we need. Do I believe it? Do I really believe that what he says is true and that he has given me everything I need and I can go through any difficult time with the mindset of Jesus Christ showing forth his virtues, his patience, his love, his joy, his calm demeanor. Can I do it? Do I believe it or not? Amen. He, he even says, David, he will give us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So when I don't want to, I can still look to him and, and believe you can give me to will and to do. So he even yeah. changed my want to her. Amen. You know, it's amazing. And that's all in the believer. Amen. Um, you guys, thank you so much. Um, the ministry is Sufficient Word Ministries. The website, sufficientword.com. They're also on Facebook. They've got a page if you want to go over there and like it. The book, um, just thankful for uh, you writing this at this time, you guys. Faith in Difficult Times on Amazon and wherever good books are sold. Preston and Kelly Condra. God bless you guys. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you so much for coming on Stand Up for the Truth today. Thank you, David. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we're going to tackle some current headlines and some things that are happening around the country and uh, look at some encouraging scriptures, but we'll also look at some stats about depression and discouragement and suicide. we got to be ready to encourage people during this time. More when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, friends, welcome back. So nice to talk to our friends Preston and Kelly down in Arkansas. Keeping the faith in difficult times. We need to talk about that. Real quick, I've got a scripture or two that I just want to share with you that, um, you know, these are really good. Um, 2 Timothy 2.19, for example, says, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. I love that from 2 Timothy 2.19. And uh, Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you, Christian friend, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's Ephesians 1.13. Now that we got a little bit of encouragement 
Um, let's talk about some very real stats. Even before the stress and anxiety people are facing during the COVID-19 issues, even before the coronavirus became a, f- a health factor and concern in the world and in America, the CDC, um, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, shared these statistics. This was months ago now. Almost 4% of adults over 18 years old have experienced serious psychological distress in the past month. Now, this is before the coronavirus, okay? Um, 7.6% of people over the age of 12 have experienced depression in any two-week period, it says. 8.4% of children now between the ages of 6 and 17 have been diagnosed with anxiety or depression. These are children, 8%. That was before coronavirus, and now this one is, is sobering. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in 10 to 34-year-olds. This is amazing. It goes as low as 10, but that's the second leading cause of death. And this is before families started being impacted by the, sh- the shutdown, the economic, the business shutdowns and, and social distancing, isolation, where it doesn't have to be, but sometimes... You know, people take it a little too too much uh, one way or the other. This is too extremes, in, in my opinion. Um, but we'll see what happens uh, six months from now, a year from now. We will see. I don't think any of us have been or could be accurate in predicting what could happen because this is unknown territory for America. But one thing we do know, a lot more people are discouraged primarily because of either losing their jobs, getting laid off, small business owners that don't think they could wait another month or another couple of weeks or a month or two, they might have to give up their business, sell their business, or file for bankruptcy. This, uh, the damage, and, and I don't, I'm not saying I agree necessarily with those who said the cure is worse than the disease. In other words, the reaction of what, the, the, what governors done, have done from state to state these things they have implemented, the policies have been worse than the actual virus itself. I, you know, on, a, on certain st- statistics, I can see where, yes, it's done a lot of damage. But I'm not saying that for sure. But a lot of people, we can have that debate another time. I don't want to hindsight 2020, right? We can look back a year from now and, you know, place blame. But I don't think blame is what we want to do right now. We want to encourage Brothers and sisters in Christ, in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Don't become weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And then it says, Therefore, do good to those who are of the family of believers, to the church, to brothers and sisters in Christ. Do good to all people, but it says especially to our own family. And the context is the church. So make sure we are encouraging and reaching out to our brothers and sisters who are going through the same thing we are. Maybe some of them have lost jobs. So let's be encouraging, friends, in in this time. Um, So I did really want to share those scriptures and those thoughts before we now talk about some just some ridiculous headlines here. (laughs) And I mean ridiculous. and the media, in fact, let me just pull up this article here that, that I did a few weeks ago. Uh, remember the media wanted Kavanaugh's head, Brett Kavanaugh. Now uh, they have given Joe Biden a pass practically when I believe at least seven women have come forward with some allegations of either sexual behavior, misconduct, abuse, in this case a sexual assault, um, Tara Reid is her name. The media apparently doesn't believe her uh, because they're not reporting on it. And remember what they did to Brett Kavanaugh? This woman came forward from the 1980s, I think, and they, and their their motto, the, the left and the Me Too movement, was believe all women. Believe them no matter what. Well, apparently that they, they threw that out the window because they're not believing Tara Reid. Why? Because now the allegations are against a Democrat and a high-profile Democrat, meaning Joe Biden, former vice president, running for uh, president 2020. So I know these are tedious stats, but CNN published more than 700 articles on Christine Blasey Ford 
and they aired hundreds of hours of televised discussions in the face of this lack of ev- evidence against Justice Brett Kavanaugh a couple years ago. No witnesses came forward. They, In fact, a couple of them were proven to be liars, and the story could not be corroborated. The, the accusations against Brett Kavanaugh, you didn't hear anybody in the media, oh, maybe someone did. Let me rephrase that. You didn't hear very many people or media outlets come out and apologize to Brett Kavanaugh for attempting to destroy his life. Um, This article, Media Wanted Kavanaugh's Head, Now Give Biden a Pass. How about over at, um, let's see, ABC, CBS, NBC? Well, in the first 12 days of those accusations against Brett Kavanaugh, the morning and evening news shows just, I'm not talking about internet, I'm not talking about websites, I'm talking about the three major news outlets on television. They churned out 305 minutes of coverage against Brett Kavanaugh, assuming that he was a guilty, lying misogynist. And of course, Christine Blasey Ford was telling the truth. That all proved to be false. All of it. Think about this, 305 minutes in just 12 days. So the question that asked in this article, how many reports, articles, interviews were done by the liberal media last month in the first 12 days of Tara Reid's bringing forward her sexual assault charge against VP Joe Biden? Zero. None. Goose egg. Silence by the media. Completely complicit in the cover-up and irresponsible as so-called journalists. Over at The Federalist, Molly Hemingway provided this contrast, and I'm going to quote her. When Christine Blasey Ford accused federal judge Brett Kavanaugh of nearly killing her and trying to rape her when she was in high school, she was unable to provide any evidence that the two of them had even met. Let that sink in. She continues, That didn't stop media outlets from doing everything they could to destroy Brett Kavanaugh's life and keeping him from becoming a Supreme Court justice. Bring it forward to today when Tara Reid accused her former employer, Joe Biden, of sexually assaulting her when he was a United States senator. Media outlets buried the news. What did NPR do when Tara Reid came forward? Well, uh, we don't know because they did nothing. But back in, um, let's see, 1991, NPR jumped. They were the very first to champion the unproven sexual harassment charges of Anita Hill against conservative Justice Clarence Thomas in 1991. Um, There's more. Two years ago now, NPR jumped at the chance to interview a reporter, Emma Brown, the Washington Post, a disgraced media outlet, so-called news outlet, But NPR jumped on that when Christine Blasey Ford came out with accusations against Brett Kavanaugh. If you do a a Nexus search, 224 stories over at NPR with Ford's name mentioned. I wonder how many on Tara Reid, T-A-R-A, against Joe Biden. What happened to the Me Too movement? What happened to the uh, staunch feminists and the activists and the, the Women's March, all those marching Uh, for women's rights, right? Where are they? Well, we know. They're hypocrites. Um, The same mob, the Women's March, that kicked out pro-life women, by the way. Um, How about the Hollywood celebs? Where's Lady Gaga? Did you know that Lady Gaga did a PSA with Joe Biden about sexual abuse? I know, awkward. And when uh, Biden appeared at the 2016 Oscars ceremony, To discuss sexual abuse, the fawning Hollywood Democrats gave him a standing ovation. Alyssa Milano, remember her? She was one of the main social media drivers of mob fury toward Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So recently now, last month, and when she remained silent about the Biden uh, sexual assault accusations, fair-minded people began calling for her to address it because she was so vocal about the accusations against Brett Kavanaugh. Well, you shouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised maybe that when she came out finally, she said, well, not only is she endorsing Joe Biden for president, but apparently she's changed, changed her mind about due process and thinks Biden should be given the, the benefit of the doubt. Um, she's a fraud, M- Alyssa Milano. She lies. 
she's a player in the Democrat Party and in the smear job of Tara Reid. So she doesn't believe in believing all women anymore because now the accused is a Democrat. There's much more evidence against Joe Biden because there are witnesses that remember Tara Reid talking about the incident at the time. She even went to the police, from what I understand, and up to seven women have come forward with uh, some sort of accusation um, against Joe Biden. Brett Kavanaugh had none of that. So now Biden has done a lot of interviews, right? And nobody asked him a question. Nobody. Nearly at this time now, this was a week or so ago, about four dozen questions were asked of him in interviews. Not one person brought up Tara Reid. Do you think they would have asked? Well, they did. They grilled Brett Kavanaugh. But let me quote Joe Biden because this is one time where I agree with him. During the time Kavanaugh was being accused falsely, uh, he came forward and said this, stand, standing up for Christine Blasey Ford. He said, for a woman to come forward in the glaring lights of Focus National, you've got to start off with the presumption that at least the essence of what she's talking about is real. Oh, I wonder if he would say the same thing about Tara Reid, who now has these assault charges against him, against Joe Biden. Nope. We know how the media is handling this is completely irresponsible. But I wanted to share that because there is a double standard. There's a bias that I think there is no redemption, friends. There's no redemption for the Democrat media in America. They are progressives. They are for globalism. Heck, recently they've supported China over America. Um, it's just amazing, amazing. It's, it's crazy. But uh, they can't help it anymore. They no longer serve all American citizens. Didn't get to the headlines I wanted to get to, but we'll do that uh, next time, God willing. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Welcome back. What a blessing it is to have so many great guests on this podcast. And in the coming days and weeks ahead, more first-time guests as well as some of your regular favorites are coming up. By the way, if you have a suggestion for a brand new guest, email anytime comments at standupforthetruth.com. Provide a website link and contact info if possible. And we'll check it out. Also, if you haven't signed up for our free email and you'd like to receive the weekly Watchmen, it's got descriptions and links to each week's podcasts. Go to standardforthetruth.com. Right on the right-hand side, you'll see a place to enter your name and email. Then just hit subscribe. It's that easy. So it's, again, one email, a weekly recap that goes out every Friday. We will not bombard your email inbox. And please remember to interact with us on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter. You know, one of the biggest reasons we are growing in numbers, praise God, is because you are sharing our podcast. So thank you again. Stay in the word, friends. Remember that you are salt and light in your sphere of influence. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.